hey, um, I love uh, chances to do this, like messages like this and talks like this and nights like last night, mornings like this morning. Um, it, it, there's something that gets me extra excited about it. I mean, I love regular Sunday morning gatherings, and I love when we do small groups, and uh, I love the different things we do in the community, but I get really, really excited when we get to kind of get into the weeds and just talk about church. Um, when we get to kind of talk some like insider baseball and get into the nitty gritty of this is who we are, this is why we're here, um, I get super excited about that because I love the church. I love what the church is called to do. I love what the church represents. I love the mission that, that Jesus has given his, his church. And um, times like this, we get to focus in on that. Uh, and we get to kind of lean in and say, okay, God, what do you have next for us? And, and look forward with expectation to what he's going to do. Um, because the, the local church and the local expressions of Jesus' body and his family, his community, they are the hope of the world. Maybe, maybe you've heard that before. It's not like an original idea. People have been saying it for a long time. That the local church is the hope of the world. Maybe you've heard somebody else say that. Maybe you've heard me say that. Um, but we believe that's true because it's the local church that is the body of Jesus proclaiming the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. Like the, the, the local church is the, it is the physical, tangible representation of Jesus in the world, declaring the message that Jesus has come, that he's come to offer life and hope and healing and freedom. Um, and so the church is the hope of the world, which means our church, we are the hope in our community and in the places that we live and in the places that we work, in the places that we show up, um, we bring Hope, that's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to bring hope wherever we show up. And that really has been the heartbeat of this church from um, even before day one. Uh, when Hope Community was just a dream before it was ever actually realized as a reality, it was like we want to be known for, for bringing hope into people's lives. Um, in preparation for this message, I was uh, looking through this little book right here. Uh, some of you have seen this, some of you haven't. This actually lives on that, that little table, that little shelf, I guess, in the back. And so if you ever want to look through it, you can. But uh, it's just a picture book of like kind of the first year as a church, and mostly like the renovations that happened here uh, to take this place from being a very old, dark, strange-smelling Mason's Lodge into um, what it is now. And there's been a lot of changes that happened since then. But just to give you an idea, a little trip down memory lane, uh, this is actually what the room we're sitting in looked like when we got the keys to the place. So that's the stage that you're looking at. Uh, and then we can flip it. Here's what I would be staring at right now. Um, there's the back of the room. Beautiful baby blue, peach carpet, and just 50 years of like radiator dirt stains on the walls. Um, ah, memories. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that, that's not actually the point. The, um, the point was that's in this book, and I read the little, uh, the little blurb, the little excerpt at the beginning, and I just wanted to read that to you this morning. It says, in 2013, God began to stir and fill in Paul separately the desire to create a different kind of church church where all people can discover hope unhindered. We believe that people are desperately searching for hope and they're not finding it. That's been reinforced through conversations with our own family and friends as well as the struggles and tragedies we've seen in our local communities. Over the next few years, God compelled us to go out and to create that church where all people can discover hope unhindered. We know there are things about the church and about Christianity that actually hinder people from discovering God, yet we also know that the good news of Jesus is just that. It's good news for all people. And so we asked, what if we could create a church where the things that keep people from discovering God were cleared away? The, division, the vision of Hope Community was born out of this. We set out in January 2016 to begin making the dream of Hope Community a reality for the people of Minerva. The story that God is telling through Hope Community is just beginning. 
It's just beginning. We've seen God do incredible things in the first year and believe he's going to do even greater things. Great is his faithfulness. That last little uh, paragraph just caught my attention, has been ringing in my ears the last couple of days, that the story is just beginning. Great is God's faithfulness. The story is just beginning. Great is his faithfulness. It's hard to believe that we're actually coming up on five years. It was January 8, 2017, that we opened the doors of Hope Community. Uh, so we're coming up on five years, and some of you have been with us that entire time. You were there for opening Sunday, and you've you know, bared with us through, uh, through the entire time. Others of you have come along on the journey, some of you very, uh, very recently. Uh, but over the course of the last five years, Hope Community has taken on um, some different iterations. It's looked different. It's almost like there's been multiple different churches. People come and go. We've experimented with things. We've tried things differently. There's actually a running joke around here that like we, we change things just to mess with you guys. <laughs> like you'll show up and you're like, what? You guys changed something again? And um, as, as many things has changed and the different things we've tried and the, and the faces that have come and went, the, there's one thing that has been constant throughout all of it, and that is the faithfulness of God. Like, above and beyond everything else, God keeps showing up. He keeps being faithful. In fact, like, kind of the inside joke among our leadership team is, like, God, <laughs> we've tried to screw it up. Like, we have not, not on purpose, but we've done some dumb, dumb things that we've looked back on, like, what were we thinking? Why did we try that? Why did we think that was a good idea? And yet, through all of it, um, God was working. We've seen incredible things over the past five years. We've welcomed new people into our church family, um, that there are people who are, are part of this church because God has brought them there. There are people who... Uh, there, there, there are some of you in the, in the room who, like, I have lifelong friendships with you now, and no matter what happens, if somebody moves or something, like, we will have a connection and a relationship until we are old and gray, until we die, because of what God has done in this church. Uh, we've seen lives transformed. We've seen families' lives transformed. We've, um, we've celebrated victories together and triumphs and things like births and uh, big milestone moments in life, and we've also walked with people through tragedy and um, death and sadness. We've baptized people. We've, and for a small church, we've raised lots and lots of money for various um, organizations and causes, both locally and globally. We've served in our community at every opportunity that we get. Anytime the community asks us to do something, the answer is yes, we'll be there. And we've, we've sponsored Compassion Kids. We've partnered with our schools. We've helped build a couple of houses through Habitat for Humanity in our community. And over and over, all of that is nothing but a testimony to God's faithfulness. This is not us. Again, we, we've tried to mess it up. On our own, we are not very good at anything, but God keeps showing up over and over and over again. He's used us, he's used you, he's used me, he's used this place in some incredible ways, and that's something that we should remember, that's something we should celebrate, that's something that we should look fondly on, and like, man, it's awesome what God has done, but that's not really what I want to spend our time talking about. I don't want to just get caught up and, and, and focused on what God has done, because the reason that, that we're here this morning and what I want us to hear more than anything else, what I want myself to hear, uh, to remind myself and to remind all of you is that God's not done. He's not done with this church. He's not done with these people. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. That The dream that was birthed years ago, that, that came into reality in January of 2017, like what Hope Community, what God called us to be, it's not been accomplished. There's no gold star, hey, you've done it, you can pack it in and you can coast. There's more ahead. God has so much more ahead. It, it can be easy to kind of get complacent. It can be easy to settle in a, a little bit, to, to get used to the routine of doing church. And just kind of be like, we, we kind of know the routine. where We know what to expect. We know how things go. And, and we kind of want that. We long for that. Especially, man, after the last 18, going on 20, 20 months, almost two years, uh, to long for just a sense of like, I need routine. I need normal. Uh, I, I, just, I just want church to be normal. I mean, it was, it was rough. 
When we were doing all like digital and meeting online for like a year, I was like, oh gosh, this is hard. We were doing community groups through Zoom, and if you were a part of any of those Zoom groups, you know it wasn't ideal, okay? People's internet was freezing with ridiculous faces because, you know, our, our Wi-Fi around here with a particular company, I will not name, um, <laughs> is not always the greatest, and so it's like, oh my gosh, and, and kids are running around in the background, and we're trying to do church online and figure out what, what's the format look like, and oh no, the feed crashed, and, and it was just like, there was a longing, man, I long, like, I just, I want to get back to on-site gatherings, I want to be where the people are, okay, because I'm an extrovert, and some of you are like, yes, I need people, but the crazy thing is, those of you that are even introverts, I had conversations with some of you, and you're like, yeah, you know, the first month or so, it was nice, and now it's just like, I want to be around people. You're like, Phil, what's wrong with me? I actually miss people. I'm like, I know, it's great. Welcome to my world, right? And, and when we came back, we, we came back at Easter this year, and it was wonderful. It was like, yes, this feels right. This feels good, um, and it's nice to have the routine. It's nice to have the sense of normalcy, um, but that's not why we're here. That's not why we exist. It's easy to fall into, into the, the habit of like, you know, the, the Sunday morning rhythm of like Sunday comes around. Oh, good morning. How are you? Welcome to church. Let's sing some songs. Let's hear a message. See you next week. And we do that and time goes by and we, we sometimes forget that that's not why we're here. I love us getting together to do that. We're always going to, to do that. But we're here for something greater. Because if the last 18 months have taught us anything, it's not just that I want to go back to church. But if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, what the last almost two years should have revealed is that people need Jesus more than ever. That what has happened over the past 18 to 24 months has just been a, it's been a magnifying glass on how much hurt and how much pain there is, on how broken people are, on how desperate people are. And that we can throw all kinds of things at hurt and pain and, and trauma and yet nothing really fixes it that people desperately need Jesus. I mean, we've been watching everything just unfold, and there's just a sense of hatred and division and dissension that's unlike anything we've seen. Everything is political all the time. Like, I can't make a statement and it not be like, oh, you can't say that. I mean, I'm like, I like barbecue. No, you can't like barbecue because it's from the South, and the South is bad. It's like, but I really like smoked meats. They're wonderful. Like, everything is just like, everyone's on edge all the time. We can't just make nice. We can't just sing kubaya. Something has to happen in our hearts. We need Jesus. We, we've watched the incredible rise of anxiety and depression through this time just get skyrocketed. And if you're someone that, that I, and I know some of you are, that work with kids, that work with students, that work with teenagers, this is an epidemic that is plaguing the younger generations. Anxiety and depression and just not knowing, like, what am I going to do? What is the point of life? What does my future look like? And people are just worried all the time, and it seems like there is no good path forward. There, uh, addiction and overdose rates are on the rise. There are people who have lost loved ones. There are kids and families who are hurting. There are meetings that I sit in on in this community to hear what kids and families in our community are going through would make you think, no, that doesn't happen here. That happens other places, that happens in movies, that happens at TV shows, but that doesn't happen here. And there's just this, it's like an alarm should be going off to those of us that are Christians that over the last uh, couple of years to show us like, wait, people need Jesus. Because only he is an answer to those things. Because only he transforms, only he brings new life. Because we can, like I said, if you were here last week, I kind of touched on this, this idea that, that we can address circumstances and we can help people out, but only Jesus transforms a life that only he has the power to do that, 
to, to transform someone, to do something in their heart from the inside out, that regardless then of what is going on in their life, that regardless of what is going on with our circumstances, that we go, I'm okay because I'm anchored to someone. I know who I am. I know what my future is, that he has good things for me, and I have an eternity with him to look forward to. Like, he is the only one that brings that sense of stability into someone's life and says, I don't want to just fix what's going on around you. I want to completely transform you. And so that, I mean, that, that's been revealed. And so the thing that was the driving force of Hope Community when we began, like we want to be a church where all people can discover hope unhindered, where anyone can show up and can encounter the, the relentless, reckless, the, the un, unrelenting, the unleashed, the are you kidding me kind of hope that is found in Jesus. And that is truer now today than it was when we started five years ago. Because people are looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They're looking for what's the point of life why am I here? Why does any of this matter? Why should I keep going on? Is it ever going to get any better? How is my marriage not going to fall apart? How's my life not going to fall apart? How do I break this addiction? How do I make sure my kids' lives aren't a disaster? What do I do? Give me some hope. And all the places that we look for it end up letting us down eventually. Because only Jesus offers hope that is sustained. Lots of places that we look for, lots of places that people look for, and some of them are good, man, some of them are great. It's like, I need, I need something to, to help me through the day, I need something to orient my life around. Some are good things, but they'll always let us down. And so we look for that, that sense of hope in politics, right? My hope is in the Republicans, it's in the Democrats, it's in the right policies. My hope is in a mask mandate, my hope's in not a mask mandate, my hope's in a vaccine, my hope's in not a vaccine, my hope's in a vaccine ma mandate, my hope's not a vaccine mandate. My hope is, like, it's like, wait, 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 maybe we're all wrong. That's the wrong place to be putting your hope, right? Like, we, we, we put our hope in things that, that are temporary, some things that are good, family, friends, success, career, those are good things, but when that's the thing where my hope is found, inevitably, I will be let down. We put our hope in drugs and money and sex and whatever it is, assistance programs to get me by. And again, some of these things are good, some of these things aren't, but at the end of the day, they're not sustained. That only Jesus can, can sustain a life and he can bring lasting hope, he can bring transformation. The gospel is the only thing, because it's the message of Jesus, the only thing that frees, the only thing that heals, the only thing that redeems and restores and lets people walk in the newness of life. And that is why we say the church is the hope of the world. Church is the hope of the world because the declaration of the gospel and the tangible presence of Jesus are the unique contribution of the church in the world. It is the unique contribution of our church in this community, that there is no other program, there is no other organization, there's no other entity, there's no other institution, there's no other group of people that can offer the message and the declaration of the gospel and the physical presence of Jesus in a community. Only the church can do that. The church is the hope. The church is the hope in our communities. The church is the hope of our families and the people around us that we care about, that we see hurting and struggling, that we rub shoulders to day by day, every single day. The people at work, it's like their lives are falling apart. The people we go to school with, the people that we know that are our neighbors, it's like you know what they're going through and your heart just breaks inside to go, oh my gosh, I don't want to see you suffering like that anymore. And it's Jesus that can set them free and it's the church that carries that message. See, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. To be the kind of people in the kind of place that is, is a part of unleashing the, the unhindered, crazy hope of Jesus on the people around us. We wanna see that hope unhindered, unleashed in Minerva, but not just Minerva, we wanna see it unleashed beyond. Like we wanna see it transform people's lives here in our local community where we're located, but also in the surrounding communities as well, because here's what I know, there are some of you 
that you actually travel a decent like distance to come to church here. You're driving 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes for some of you um, to come to church and to say, I'm here. I'm here at this church. And that's, first of all, that's incredible. We're so grateful for you being here. Um, because listen, this is a small like little church and a small town. Again, if it's not for God and what he's doing, there is no reason for you to be here. We're grateful that you're here. But what that also tells us is that in your community, there's not a life-giving, Jesus-declaring, Jesus-living kind of church. And we want to see that place in every community. We want to see the hope of Jesus unleashed in towns like Minerva and other towns. You know, these small, rural, it seems like often forgotten about places. To see the hope of Jesus show up and say, you're not forgotten about to blanket like the Northeast Ohio area of all these little communities where, where it's like you've been forgotten about and nothing matters and there's, de- there's depression and there's poverty and there's unemployment and there's drug addiction and it's generational and it's family after family. Like we, we wanna show up in that place and say you're not forgotten about because God hasn't forgotten about you. So we haven't forgotten about you. We are for you because God is for you. Jesus can free you and we want to see that happen. To see a move of God unleashed in places like Minerva and Malvern and Carrollton and Waynesburg and Magnolia and Lisbon and Salem and, and Paris. And I, I know Paris is kind of technically Minerva, but you know what I'm saying? Like these little places where it's just like, hey, listen, like you need Jesus too. You need Jesus. We're called to be a part of that. We're called to be a part of a move of God that says, yes, we are going to do that. We're going to do that that you can find real hope in Jesus. And man, we, we absolutely believe as a church that that's in our future. That that's in our future, that, that God is going to use us. He's gonna use you, the people, not, not Hope Community, the 501c3 organization and the building and the programs, but you, the people, to unleash that kind of hope to your neighbors and your loved ones. There's so much more ahead for us as a church. And listen, as the world gets darker and darker, and it is, and as it gets crazier and crazier, and Lord knows it is, like, it's all kinds of crazy out there. And as the kind of veneer of cultural Christianity goes by the wayside, that's actually a good thing. Because then the real deal, authentic, are you kidding me, committed to following Jesus' version of the faith is gonna seem even more attractive. Because while the, the authentic thing is, it's a little crazy, honestly. It can be really, really demanding. It is different than anything else that you find in the world. Like there, there is no other way of life. There is no other way of being in the world that, it, that can compare to following Jesus and the life and the flourishing and the hope that it brings. And we wanna be a part of that. We wanna be a part of that. We have, we have an opportunity to be a community of faith, a group of people that, that are a group that declares the message of Jesus and it's just all about him all the time and that, that he can change you from the inside out and turn your life upside down in the best way possible and then to be a group of people that actually lives that out and shows what that looks like. And if we will do that, if we'll say, yes, I'm in on that. God, I'm in what you, on what you wanna do. I believe you wanna do incredible things. I believe you wanna do great things. And I am going to be a part of that. God will honor that. He will use that. This thing happens all throughout scripture and throughout human history that whenever God shows up and does something in history, he most, uh, most commonly does it through his people. Like there, there are actually very few times, you know, even if you read through scripture where God just shows up and does something just completely without, without the, uh, the, the contribution of his people. He shows up and says, I'm gonna do something in the world and then he taps his people on the shoulder and says, come do this with me. Come be a part of this. There's this, this dynamic where, where we're talking, where people, apps, like, people need Jesus. You guys, you need Jesus and so do I. 
And so does everybody else. People need Jesus, but at the same time, Jesus uses people. Like people need Jesus to have their lives transformed, but then he uses broken, messed up people to be a part of what he's doing. There's a passage of scripture that, that um, man, I love. It's one of my favorite passages. It is 2 Corinthians. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he kind of talks about this dynamic of Jesus working and moving, and yet for those of us that are in Christ, we have a role to play as well. So 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to start in verse 14. It says this, Paul writes, that the love of Christ compels us. Like the thing that motivates us, that spurs us on, that gets us up in the morning, the thing that, um, th- that encourages us when we need it, the thing that kicks us in the butt when we need it, the thing that, that allows us to live and to operate in this world. He says, if you're a follower of Jesus, the love of Christ is the thing that compels you. The love of Christ compels us since we've reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all have died. Talking about Jesus. And then... He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. And so he's like, listen, uh, if, 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 if you are in Christ, if your faith is in him, he's died for you and you are now alive in him. And so if you're alive in Christ, if your faith is in him, you no longer live for yourselves. That means if I'm a follower of Jesus, my wants, my dreams, my desires... I die to those things. Those things are dead. And it doesn't mean you got to be miserable all the time and take on like the, the sad, like, like just, oh, whoa, the Eeyore Christian. Don't be an Eeyore Christian, okay? It's not like you don't just have to be like, I'm just miserable all the time. But it's, your, your hopes, your dreams, those, your desires, those things are all great. But what Paul is saying is those things are always secondary to you being, I'm all about Jesus. I'm about, I've died to myself. I no longer live for myself, but I live for the one who died for me. I'm living for Jesus, for his name, for his glory, for for his purposes in the world, for his mission, for his heart. Like, uh, whatever Jesus wants, that's what I want. He continues and says, so from now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. In other words, we, we don't see people the same way. We don't see people the same way anymore. Even if we knew Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, that includes all of you who are in this room, they're followers of Jesus, you are not who you used to be. You're a new creation. You're not what you did. You're not what somebody else did to you. You're not what people have said about you. You're not the mistakes that you've made. And you didn't just get a fresh coat of paint when you became a follower of Jesus. You became a brand new person. The old you died. And that is the promise. That is the hope that is extended. That is the invitation that is extended to everyone. Every single person around you, from the people that you love and you're crazy about, your family, your friends, to the people that you absolutely cannot stand. The invitation is for them to become brand new people. And maybe you're like, good, because some of them need to be, all right? The old is gone. The new is here. And everything, talking about what he's, you know, this idea of being, being made new, everything is from God, who's reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he's committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in that passage, you see this idea. It's like, hey, Jesus is the the one who's working. He's the one that changes people's lives. He's the one who sets people free. But at the same time, you and I have a role to play in it. 
We, 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 he, we, we read that like it's in Christ that people become new creations. In Christ, people are reconciled to God. In Christ, we become the righteousness of God. But then at the same time, but we are compelled by his love. We no longer live for ourselves. We have the ministry and message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors. It's Jesus changing lives, but yet using his church and his people to do it. God wants to do incredible things in and through this church, but in many ways, it depends on us. Not because God is limited by us, but because this dynamic that God works through his people. He works through his people. And the question really is, will we play our part or not? Will we be the kind of people that say, yes, I'm in. I, I want to see my loved ones, my friends, my family. I want to see everybody around me transform for the power of Jesus. I don't want to see people struggling and suffering. And even though that's a part of life, there is unavoidable, un- unavoidable pain in life. I want to see people have something to anchor them when they go through it. I want to see people have a reason to get up every day and a reason to live and, and a brand. I want, I want to see people transformed and have hope and have meaning, have purpose, have life. And I want to be a part of that happening. God can and will do it. Will we be a part of it or not? God can unleash and wants to unleash something in this community, among these people, in the communities around us. But will we be a part of it? And so as we kind of wrap things up this morning, that, that's, that's my ask. You're not getting away without being challenged or being asked to do something today. I want to ask you to step up and to make a commitment to what we're calling our relaunch team because, well, I couldn't think of a better title than relaunch team, all right? It's a relaunch team. You see, in the early days of, of the church when um, things were just getting started, there was a team of us, a very small team that were responsible for the launch of the church and operating things in the early, early days. And um, we all wore a lot of hats because there was a ton of stuff to get done and we just busted our butts, right? Like it was grit, it was guts, it was nose to the grindstone, feet to the pavement, like just getting after it. Um, there, there's something about being in that kind of like church plant mode where it's like we're hustling, we're hustling, like this is what we're doing, this is crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. Uh, and somewhere along the line, because we figured out a little bit what we were doing and we kind of settled into a routine, I think that sense of urgency went by the wayside. And so we're looking as we relaunch because like we're, it is a relaunch for the church because it's kind of a relaunch for the world. Things, things just seem different now. It's a whole new world, Okay. I'm not going to start singing Aladdin. I did that in the run-through service. I will spare you, okay? But, and so as we move into a new world, as we move into a new season, there's like a new iteration of Hope Community that's happening. There's a relaunch happening, and we need a, a team of people who say, like, I'm in on the relaunch. I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm, we're looking for a team of people that are just willing to bust their butts, and there's some specific kind of um, asks, I guess, that I'm going to put out there be real specific. Here's what the relaunch team looks like. First of all, it's a one-year commitment um, for the calendar year of 2022, since 2021 is almost over, which again is crazy. But for 2022, a one-year calendar commitment, there are going to be two meetings that I ask you to attend. One's going to be in late, uh, late winter, early spring. The other will be in late summer, early fall, where we just get together and it's like, hey, here's this half of the year. What are we doing? How can we get it done? What are some outreach opportunities? What roles can we take? And so there'll be two of those. And then throughout the year, I'm asking you to do three things to show up, to step up, and to speak up. Yeah, because that's what preachers do, okay? <laughs> we alliterate things. Show up, step up, and speak up. First thing is just to show up, and it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's to be, it's to be present. It's to, it's to show up. 
Um, like, like every time that, that something is going on, that, that you say, look, I'm here, I'm here. Whether that's a Sunday service, whether that's small groups, whether that's something going on in the community, it's like, I am going to be physically present. Because again, God works through his people. God works through his people, and so when his people are present, he works through them to change lives. When you show up, listen, there's, there's a momentum that is built. And it's not, it's not about attendance, and it's not about, woo, look at us, look at my people we have, because here's the reality. There are really, really small churches that do incredible things for the kingdom, and there are big churches that do as well. And then there are also small churches and big churches that would be generous to even call them a church. And so it's not about how many people are showing up, it's about what God does when his people show up. I mean, just here's something I know, and I, I kind of recognize, I see this happening. Like, we, we've actually had a lot of, like, first-time guests and people showing up, and some have stuck, and some haven't since we've, we've kind of come back to physical gatherings. But it is really, really hard when new people show up, and there's nobody here to welcome them. I know it's awkward, and everyone's like, ah, oh, we're looking around, but that's just the reality. And again, it's not about how many people are in the room because God works regardless. But listen, whenever God is stirring in someone and something's going on in their life and the marriage is falling apart, there's, there's something going on with their kids or they're, they're curious about um, spiritual things or they're, they're wanting to find a church. And so, so God is stirring in them. That's him doing that. And they say, I'm gonna check out church. I'm gonna go to this one. God is moving in them. And it's like God has, has put us in a position to say, God has been moving. Now let us meet them. And then they show up and there's nobody here. Now, again, if you're someone who's like a mature follower of Jesus, you get, it's like, it's not about attendance, it's not about how many people are here, but if it's someone who's not, that communicates, well, maybe God isn't working here. Maybe this isn't that good of a church. And again, just the words by you being here, what you might offer to someone, you have no idea how God might work through you. The, the simple thing that you might say to someone when it's their first time here, of like, good morning, or how are you, or getting connect, to connect with someone and learn their story, and you might discover there's a connection point in your story with their story. You don't know how God might use you, but he only uses us when we show up. Now, I understand, like, there, there's times, like, some of you, like, travel, you're out of town. Obviously, you're not going to show up when you're out of town. I get that. Um, some of you work on weekends, and I know you can't do that. Um, so, so travel, work, and being deathly ill, okay? Those are, those are the reasons not to. But if you want to be part of this, this relaunch team, man, we're going to ask you to show up, to be present and open to God using you. The second thing is to, to step up, to step up, to just help get it done, to whatever it takes, all right, whatever it takes, Captain America, Avengers, I have so many movie references in my head, just whatever it takes, okay, like what, whatever it takes, just get it done, right, so even if it's something you're not necessarily gifted in or excited about, it's like it needs done, I'm doing it, it needs done, I'm doing it, because there are opportunities for us to reach our community and to do things, but it takes people to do that, and so a team of people to say, listen, I'm going to help plan, I'm going to help organize, I'm going to help execute, I'm going to offer ideas, I'm going to offer solutions, like whatever it takes, step up, show up, step up, and finally speak up. Be the biggest cheerleaders for the church. And not just the church, because yay, look at my church. My church is so awesome. But man, Jesus is doing something through my church. That Jesus is changing lives, and I want you to be a part of it. So you're, man, you're having spiritual conversations with people. You're inviting people to coffee. You're inviting people to lunch. You're inviting people to church, or Jingle Jam is coming up, or Christmas Eve services, and these different things. You're saying, look, like, I I'm going to speak up. Because here's the thing. When, when something has changed your life, when you're excited about something, when you're pumped about something, what's the first thing you do? You want to tell everybody. 
It's like, oh my gosh, you'll never have like this relationship I'm in. It's incredible. Wow, we just had a child. It's incredible. Wow, I've been making fun of Mike because he got a new smoker. And he's like, I got a new smoker. It's awesome. But I have no room to talk, okay? Because when I, when I inevitably get another one, because <laughs> I have many, I'm going to tell you about it. Because it's like when you get excited about something, you want to tell people. And so, man, if Jesus has done something in your life through this church, we just want to tell people, we want to share people with people about that. So that's inviting people that aren't a part of the church, and it's also being the person to kind of speak up and to say, when, when there's part of our church family that's kind of drifting towards the edges, to reel them back in and to speak up and be like, hey, man, you know, I've, I've missed you. I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? How's life? Let's grab coffee. It's a text message. It's a phone call. Um, because the body, the body of Christ cares for itself. And so... One-year commitment to show up, step up, and speak up. Um, that's what I'm asking. Listen, I'm going to ask you to actually sign up for this, like an official thing, like sign on the dotted line, or I guess that's going to be digital so you don't really sign, but you know what I'm saying. Um, and there's no pressure, okay? If you're like, hey, that, that's not for me, that's fine. I understand that. I get that. Um, but for those of you that say, yeah, I'm in. I want to be a part of what God is doing here, and, and, and I want to commit to this. Um, there is an iPad that is set up out in HC Connect, and you will be able to sign up there. So here's, here's how the rest of the morning is going to go. We're going to sing a couple more songs. We'll do communion. Um, and really at any point during the rest of the morning or after the service, you can go sign up. Um, and I, I'm confident that, man, if, if we'll get serious about this, there'll be a team of us that says we're in. Then this time next year when we're sharing uh, about vision again, what God's got for the next year, we're going to have a lot of new stories to celebrate. We're going to have a lot of wins and a lot of victories and a lot of more stories of, man, God is so faithful. He is so, so faithful. There are going to be times when we have New Life Sundays and people are baptized and stories are shared and you're going to be a part of their story of why they're here. If we show up, step up, and speak up.